Grace, mercy, and peace to you from him who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. There is a family circus cartoon in which a little boy is looking up at his mother and she's looking down at him and his pile of toys all over the floor. And she's got her hands on her hips and she says to him, you better pick up these toys when you're done playing. And the boy looks up with total innocence on his face and says, mom, I'll never be done playing. And it does strike me a bit that children can just get so caught up in playing that they lose all sense of time. They're completely zoned in on the thing that they're doing. And what I want us to zone in on tonight is what the Lord is doing every day in our lives. When we think about the new year, we're thinking about time how time matters, and as some people put it, how time is money. The phrase time is money first originated from Benjamin Franklin in a letter he wrote to a young man about business arrangements and trade. And he said to him, remember that time is money. And we will often tell ourselves this and our kids this as they're growing up to spend their time wisely. And we can see how that's very good advice to think about time carefully. In fact, it originates in this Bible passage long before Benjamin Franklin, when the Apostle Paul uses a word that means to buy back time. The word is ex azarazo, which comes from a marketplace expression of business. It's a business word It's the same word that's used in the Gospels when Jesus turns over the money changers' tables. And it says that these are the ones who were buying and selling in the temple. And he uses that word agorazo. And here Paul uses the same word, a business word. Now he uses it in a different way. The word is also used to speak of how you might use, uh, go to the slave market and purchase a slave. Or you might set a slave free with this price of redemption. Again, Paul uses this word in our verse from Ephesians chapter 5, only he's now using it in a slightly different way than Benjamin Franklin. Instead of thinking about time as money, as something that has to do with furthering our financial interests, he sees something much more valuable in time. And so he says in Ephesians 5, look carefully then how you walk. This is the English Standard Version. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now that English Standard Version might be easier to read, but I like the New King James expression here when it says, See that you walk circumspectly, that means with your eyes open, always looking around, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. It's talking about time as something so valuable that you want to buy it back when you can have it. Make the best use of it. 
I'm borrowing this three-part idea from a book my wife was reading by Jen Wilkin. It's about God's attributes, his character, things that are about God that are unlike anything else in our lives as humans. And in one of the chapters, it has this idea of being present with the Lord. So let go of the past, let go of the future, and live presently with the Lord each day. First of all, we let go of the past. Now, so many New Year's resolutions are about changing the past. We're looking back and maybe we're regretting some things that happened. Or maybe we're looking back and we're wishing we could get back to somewhere we were earlier in life. Both of these ways of looking backwards can actually be sinful. So one way that we can look back sinfully at our past is sinful regret, where we look back at our lives and say, I wish things were different. If we look back on our past sins or failures and losses, we can become enslaved to that guilt, that guilt mentality that things are never going to be better because I'm always carrying around this baggage or wanting to fix the past, fix the things that you've done so that they don't exist anymore. But redeeming the time means remembering that Jesus has redeemed the time, meaning that Jesus has redeemed time. So all the things that are in your past went with Jesus to the cross, and he paid for them. He redeemed them. He bought them back so that today you cannot carry that stuff around anymore. You are forgiven. But another way we can look backwards sinfully is not regret, but instead nostalgia. Sometimes we look backwards and we long for times that used to be, times where things were different, before we got some bad news in our life, or when the kids were younger, or maybe a time when our health was better, maybe a time before a loved one was lost. As we look back on life this way, though, we can get so caught up in it that it, it takes us out of what the Lord is doing with us today. Redeeming the time means remembering that Jesus has a purpose for you today. Always, no matter what happened in the past, for better or for worse, Jesus wants you to be with him today. That today is the day that the Lord has made. And even if your circumstances are different than they used to be, <coughs> He's got a purpose for you still today. He's redeemed this time. And no one would know this better than the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul could easily have been enslaved to his past. On the one hand, he could have looked back on his life and longed for those better days. The days where he was a Pharisee, where he was well-known, a public figure, respected in the community, where his life was comfortable, he had a career, a home, a way of living, and the community accepted him. He says, in fact, when he looked back on his life, he was, above all else, the ultimate Pharisee. And among all his brethren, he surpassed them. But then he says, I've counted all these things loss for Christ. I've let it all go, let go of my past, because all these things are rubbish compared to the excellency and the righteousness that's found in Jesus. He also didn't get caught up in the guilt either. 
When Paul would look back on his life, he would remember all those bad things that happened. How he persecuted the church of Jesus, how he had Christians imprisoned and he watched as Stephen was stoned to death. He could have a lot of regret, but he says in 1 Timothy, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. For this reason I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him. So he saw in his own example, as bad as it was, Jesus' purpose for him today in his redemption. So as we redeem the past, let go of it, we also want to let go of the future as well. Paul says to redeem the time because the days are evil. Now, if it was evil 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote this, do you think it's going to be anything different today? When we think about the future, we can think about a lot of anticipation. The reason to redeem the time is because time in the future can enslave you just as well. One way is sinful anticipation. Anticipation can leave us desiring things that we don't have, which is ultimately coveting. Paul says it's idolatry. It's anticipation for what's coming. Discontentment with what I have now. Maybe a teenager wishes he was an adult. Maybe uh, he's tired of his parents telling him what to do. Maybe a young mom is tired of getting up overnight after night after night and changing dirty diapers. And she's sleep deprived and she sees her friends going out and having all this fun, having coffee together, and she wonders when her kids are going to grow up so she can be past that stage. Maybe it's an older man who keeps talking about retirement, who's so tired of his job that he can talk about nothing else than when he's going to retire, when he's going to retire, when he's going to retire. Well, in all these ways, we're really just trying to escape the present. And the Lord says, come back to the present, because that's where I am. Other times, we can become just anxious about the future. Anxiety can be a sin as well. Anxiety is a constant worry about the future. We worry about situations that are out of our control, or illnesses that either are possibly coming or have come. Financial crisis, or sometimes worry, we just worry about dealing with people. We don't want to see certain people. We don't want to talk to them. We're afraid of that conversation we might have. Or we look around us and we say the world is evil, our country is going down the drains, and things are only going to get worse, and we get so caught up in it that it just leads us into slavery. But Jesus warned us about that. He said, I take care of the lilies of the field, and I clothe them with the beauty you see every spring. Are they not of more value than you, whom I've redeemed with my own blood? He says, don't worry about all the things that the world worries about. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You've got enough to deal with today. Focus on what's happening today, and I'll show you in time what's going to come in the future.
redeem the time. So redeem it by letting go of the future, which brings us ultimately to the present. Living presently with the Lord each day. In Exodus chapter 3, God calls to Moses from the burning bush and he tells him that he's going to send him to the Israelites. He's going to send him into Egypt and there he's chosen Moses to be the leader, to represent God before Pharaoh and lead the people out of their enslavement and their idolatry. As Moses is hearing these words, he's filled with all sorts of conflict within him. How could I be the one to go? What makes me good enough? I'm not a good speaker. What if I just die in front of Pharaoh and he kills me? Think about my past, what I've done. I'm out in the wilderness. I'm a stranger and a loner because I've ruined my past in Egypt. Why would God choose me? And Moses says to the Lord, when I come to the children of Israel and say, how should we be confident in who sent us? The Lord says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said to them, to him, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, there's a lot of different ways at looking at this verse. In fact, there's numerous interpretations of what I am is meant to mean. It's a bit of a riddle, a mystery, where you can look at it a number of different ways. You can see in I am the fact that the Lord is eternal. He was here before the world was created. He'll be here after the world perishes. He's timeless. So the Lord wants us to know he is all the time. Or maybe that he's unchanging. He's going to be the same God he was 3,500 years ago in the days of Moses as he'll be 3,500 years from now if the world lasts that long. But ultimately, I think the most key meaning that without it, you can't understand any of these other interpretations is the presence of the Lord. That I am who I am means for all of his timelessness, he's here right now. He is God with us in the present today. He wants the children of Israel to know this because they're going to be looking back on the past and they're going to be looking ahead to the future. And they need to remember that he is who he is. It's teaching Israel to trust in him. That just as he was there before, and he'll be there after. But when they need him most, he's there now. He's now, when they're standing under the beatings and enslavement of their slave master. He's there now, when they're trapped between the adversary and his armies, charging down on them and the Red Sea on the other side. He's there now when they're journeying out into the wilderness and they're going to face trials and uncertainty, sickness and poverty. Maybe I could put it in the words of a wise turtle, Master Ugwe from Kung Fu Panda, who said, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Actually, the word presence 
is derived from the word present or gift. In the Latin, it used to refer to what it meant to appear before a king. To be in the presence of the king was to be present or to present yourself at court formally. And from that was derived also the idea of bringing a gift with you. So when you would appear before the king, you wouldn't be empty-handed, but you would bring a present to be a present and present it in the presence of the king. It's all tied together with being present. Psalm 95 verse 2 says, Come before his presence with thanksgiving. We've come into the presence of the Lord. Only when we come into the presence of the Lord, he's the one that gives the gift. The gift of his presence today is always a gift for you to open, not just at Christmas, not just thinking about New Year's resolutions, but every day. History, uh, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. When Adam and Eve sinned, their first reaction was to hide from the Lord's presence. The word presence in the Bible actually is translated before his face. In other words, God wants you to become before his face. He wants to look at you and he wants you to look at him. But Adam and Eve couldn't do that. They were hiding from the face of the Lord. When we live in the sins of the past, the shame or regret, we hide from the face of the Lord. When we live in the future with anxiety or desire for what's coming, we hide from the face of the Lord. Paul says, redeem the time today. Buy it back. And buy it back by remembering that Christ has bought it back. He has redeemed it with his own blood doing away with your sins of the past, undoing the uncertainty of the future, and leading you each day out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, into the wilderness, and ultimately to the promised land. So the Lord be with you in 2023.